Welcome to Reading for Attention, the weekly podcast where me, Paul, and me Bessie mate Sarah chat about a recent book whilst drinking a carefully selected beverage. Now, why have we committed to reading a book every single week and talking about it in a public forum? Well, the same reason me and Sarah do anything in life, for attention. Bonjour, Sarah. Oh, bonjour. What is your name in French? It's Sarah. Yeah. Oh, Sarah. What's Paul? Peter. Paul. Paul. Look at the top of my drink. It looks like scum. You know, seaside scum. Yeah. Mine is disgusting. (laughs) I can't. I can't even get to the Coke. (laughs) Have you noticed that? Right. Should we talk about the drink now? Because, yeah. Uh Yeah. Whose week is it? It's yours. Tell us what the drink is. It is my week. Okay. So we're we're drinking um, a spiked Coke float. So I have used vodka Mm. and Coca-Cola and a scoop of vegan ice cream. Vegan? Why vegan? It's what I had in. Oh. So I don't know. I thought that might have been the reason for it curdling because I do not remember Coke floats looking like this. It looks like the membrane of like the amniotic sac of an alien from a far off planet. Yeah, you know what? It does. It looks like a fermented dragon egg. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And it's not nice. I just don't think I like the taste of vodka Coke either. It's a it's a funny one. It's a, probably the most synthetic taste and drink you could possibly have. Mm. I, I do quite love. like it, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you. So I've ha- I've got Coke and various vodkas. And then I'd wanted to buy, I was thinking cheap ice cream would probably work better. Then I went yeah. for like a mid-range one. So I got a cart door. Oh, love a cart door. But it's made the Coke completely flat. Oh, did you put the ice cream in first or after? After. So I <laughs> Googled how to make a Coke float. Because I just thought something so simple has to there has to be a, a trick. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, put your ice cream in first. Oh. Um, and my wait, hang on. I don't actually know if mine's fizzy or not. So have a go. Well, mine fucking lavered out all over the kitchen. Yeah, no, it's completely flat. Yeah. But the thing yeah. is, I used to work moons and moons ago at Ed's Easy Diner. Rest in peace. Oh, I loved Ed's. And I had to make Coke floats and stuff. And I don't remember it ever being disastrous. You know what the biggest disaster that happened at Ed's Diner was. What? So we used to have to make Sundays. Mm-hmm. And that took quite a long time. It was just assembly rather than cooking, obviously. I just had to put various things in <laughs> these lovely Sunday glasses. And somebody ordered three raspberry Sundays. Bear in mind, my job was, I think my title was drinks maker. I used to stand in this little tiny booth. It's the kind of, it, it was quite fabulous to be honest, because you turned around and it's almost like working at a round desk, okay. you know, like in a shopping center where yes. you just turn around and there's desk everywhere you look. Yeah. It was like that, but with my milkshake makers, my microwave, my freezer, uh, my my uh, drinks like like uh, an ice cream van, but every drinks time. yeah, but like a circular ice cream van. So anyway, it wasn't very far that I had to walk to deliver anything because it was quite a small restaurant. But I decided I was going to make these three beautiful raspberry sundays, oh, and no. then what I what I was going to try and do is just carry them all, all three. Oh, and the wow. way that I decided to do this was get three of those, you know, those fabulous non-stick black trays that you get when you work in a bar. Mm-hmm. They are wonderful. They should be in homes. I don't know why they're not. <laughs> so I put one Sunday on each tray and then try to carry the trays like three plates. 
Are you joking? And I took one step and I just went <laughs> and threw these three <laughs> massive Sundays just all over Ed's Easy, Easy Diner, smashed a lot of them. And you can imagine, <laughs> you know, when you spill a drink and it, oh. it looks it looks like you've pissed everywhere. But it, there was just ice cream like up the fucking walls. It was everywhere. <laughs> and I had to spend about two and a half hours cleaning it up. Disaster. <laughs> Oh, fucking hell. There's just so many different points of that story that I'm not going to address any of it. <laughs> yeah. Aww. And Aww. I'll, I'll tell you a story. Michael basically got me that job. So when we first started dating, he was working in the Metro Centre, which is where Ed's was. And so I was the drinks maker and he would do his little floor walks around Metro Centre and would meet at Starbucks and stuff. Yeah. But then we broke up, right? <gasps> and I was working at Ed's Easy Diner. And Michael decides that he is going to have a meeting in Ed's Easy Diner, knowing that I'm working there. I'm fucking serving him his drinks. His drinks. Was he the one that ordered the three ice cream, the raspberry ice cream sundaes? Probably. Um, little shit. So I, I was serving him drinks when we just broke up. What? Well, you should have said, no, My the ex-love of my life works there and it would be very traumatic. I was wearing a fucking polyester V-neck piece of shit t-shirt some horrible pleather loafers it was awful and I remember all the stuff this you know what the staff in there were some of the nicest people I've ever met I didn't come crawling back it was you you came crawling back you did that's off housewives you did no you did anyway he finished I'm finished shut up he's not He said, yeah, I came to his house knocking on his window. Not true. <laughs> um, right. Did I know you'd broken up? So officially, we, we kind of started dating in March. And honestly, the saga of mine and Michael's relationship at the very mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. None of you listeners know. If you want to know, I'm happy to email you. So if you just email yeah. readingpretension at gmail.com, I will give Let you me... a flow chart. Let me tell you, it is juicy. It is the juiciest meet cute of all time. It's just bizarre. You can't fucking write it. That's when life is, what is it? Life is... Stranger, stranger. than fiction. Stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, we started dating in March. It was extremely tumultuous. And then finally, Michael declared his love for us in June and asked me to be his boyfriend on Facebook. And that was how we became official. But then what you Yes, you up- did. No, that was before. So when we weren't like, I thought we were official from day one because you know what I'm like. But yeah, Michael didn't get that memo. But then he got us a job at Ed's Easy Diner. You're such a gaslighter. Anyway, right. <laughs> Shall we move on to the book? Yes, let's. Um, so this week, Paul, we are reading Detransition Baby by Tori Peters, a debut novel. Um, well, I like it's... that. I've not got the show. Is that? I've not got the book. Oh, that's a nice book. It's nice, isn't it? I think the American cover is actually nicer but is yeah. it yeah um and funnily enough in the back there's a little author interview with Sean with none other than Sean Faye I was buzzing when I saw that oh gosh Sean so just talking about the title of the book right number one yeah. I can't say the title of the book without going detransition baby uh-huh uh-huh detransition, oh my god baby. every time in my head uh-huh uh-huh and secondly in the interview with Sean Faye she mm-hmm. says Obviously, the title works as a joke in three ways. 
one of which is really offensive to some people and I'm not sure I get any of them well what's throwing me is the comma because it's detransition comma baby because detransition baby makes sense in the premise there's I'll give you a quick rundown of of what the premise is about it's um about a trans woman Reese living in Brooklyn whose ex Ames was a trans woman but has since detransitioned to well cis man but it's it's a it's a contested topic and he has an affair with his boss and gets his boss pregnant Katrina who is a cis woman Mm -hmm. and all Reese has ever wanted is a baby Ames isn't sure if he wants a baby Katrina's also a little bit on the fence so Ames is like I've got an idea why don't the three of us have this baby together and then that's that's chapter one, and that's where the story the story begins. So it works if there wasn't a comma. If it was like detransition baby, well, like I a baby. That's I think that's two of them. Detransition baby, like detransition yeah, like, baby, and then a detransition baby. But what's the yeah. third? I tell yeah. you what, you ponder that while I just go and have an explosive poo because it's coming straight out. <laughs> what do I do in Paul's absence? Think about Paul. He's just had a takeaway for his tea, hence the swift departure from both the podcast and his bowels. You know what, I'll do a little disclaimer. As hideous as I am finding this Coke float, there's also something quite self-flagellatingly satisfying about every sip. You've got to sort of worm your way past the layers of scum and then you get to the hideously sweet, flat, medicinal, artificial taste of vodka Coke. And I mean, I don't know, there's just something, I'm halfway through. And I'm kind of upset that it's all going to be over quite soon. <laughs> Michael's listening to something in the living room. I'm just going to voice note him. What are you listening to? Wow. How was that? Not great, you know. Oh no. Was the takeaway worth it? Yeah, but this, I mean, it's its the age-old tea-stained egg argument. That is not <laughs> what I've just put in my body. Do you know what I mean? It must be. It can't I, be. I refuse to believe it's anything else. Anyway, did you work out the third joke yet? Oh, no, I wouldn't think about it. Maybe, well, if it's offensive, maybe it's like somebody trying to encourage someone to detransition. Ah, maybe. Basically, she said at the end, she's like, I know that there's one part of it that people could find offensive. And if people find that offensive, then I don't want them to read my book. Oh. Anyway. It's lost on us, the cis people. Yeah, exactly. Um. So, yeah, what did you think of it? First of all, actually, first, first of all, to the American fans out there, I apologise. Harlem is not a borough of New York. It's Mm-mm. Queens. Mm-hmm. So just so, putting that out there. Correction. Where Spider-Man lives. Yes. Enjoy Tribbiani. Oh my God, yeah. I, it was really wonderful to read a trans narrative, a trans perspective, multiple trans perspectives. Mm-hmm. This weird, non-traditional family thing that was going on. That was great. Very fresh, new. I really liked the characters because, again, flawed do stupid stuff but you like them anyway mm-hmm. there was loads that I loved about it I, I went through it pretty quickly as well I, um, yes. it was a, a really enjoyable read and I'd recommend it all oh, wholly yeah. positive the thoughts that I had about it were I've written a couple of them down I think Such the a good student 
Thank you. I think because there's so few of these stories out there, and she kind of alludes to this in the interview, like she doesn't want to be the voice of trans people. And it's not fair to make any characters the voices of all trans people. They're just people. And she's like, I make them really specific so that, Mm -hmm. you know, they all have their own identities. I think it's really hard not to try and get a lot of trans experience in one book. Yeah. So, you know, with most books that are about heterosexual romance you're not thinking about how that's presented in society or what that represents like most of the time whereas Mm -hmm. yeah even though the author said that she wasn't doing that I think it's impossible not to so I loved reading about all of these things that trans people experience that we would never even think about that we never have to deal Mm -hmm. with so I, I loved it I just thought sometimes it got a little bit too introspective it got a little bit too non-fiction almost that it paused or stilted the flow of the plot so sometimes I wanted to just get back to the action but then I understood how important all of that stuff was and how fascinating it was as well I loved reading about it Mm-hmm. But yes, sometimes I felt like it was too passive. We're, we're in, we're, we're in, it wasn't immediate enough. I yeah. do think that that was more heavily weighted at the beginning, though. And towards the end, it, I think the story really started to flow and the character started to flow. Reese, I became more and more enamored with, really. I thought she was a really wonderful, well-rounded, stupid character <laughs> who did stupid things, but who mm-hmm. I just wanted to learn more about. Mm-hmm. I loved the ending and I loved the beach scene towards the end and I thought that was really funny that was my favorite scene yeah Yeah, it was really funny um (laughs) and then my only other what else have I written the only other thing oh first of all loved all the random celebrity references and I don't know if it's like an LGBT thing or maybe a trans thing and this idea of there's there's a lot about how there aren't any role models for trans people nobody's kind of very few people have done it before like who do you look to and I think there's something about pop culture that is even more attractive to trans people LGBT people and it's like yes. I put I put Zach Morris down as my answer so like Zach from Saved by the Bell the actor who plays him just randomly appears in the booth <laughs> and there's there's quite a lot of that like sort of d-list mm-hmm. you know nostalgic celebrities and I love that because that's you know it's like a, it's like love of huns it's a love it of is huns. yeah and also the the commentary there was a bit in the middle about how um queer celebrities not celebrities who are queer but queer celebrities it's almost like they were there's like an application of celebrity to everyday life someone that's just not not well known in any respect really but that they're still just a bit of a celebrity yeah I live for it but I think that might be a good example of sometimes that point being made wasn't embedded in the narrative it was let's stop and talk about this for a couple of pages yep which again, loved it, but it was almost like, it felt like two separate books at some points. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting that in the interview, there was just, Sean Faye was asking, did you think about writing this as a nonfiction or a fiction? And she said, no, I wanted to write it as a fiction, but I can see kind of both elements of it. Um, and then the, own, the other thing, I didn't think all of the dialogue was overly realistic. Well, that's what I think those two points conflate, those two points that you just made, because they all seem to have such well- considered yeah formulated opinions on things that were quite like not unique but obviously one-dimensional in the way that an opinion sort of has to be for it to be someone's mm-hmm. so that added obviously to building a character but then it was it 
still just somehow felt a little bit about making a point I was like no one speaks this way in real life no one has these ideas that they rehearse in the mirror or they do but that's a one-off like party trick that they pull out when they need to it's not every single conversation that they have yeah sometimes and also she wasn't overly bothered about dialogue tags so sometimes it was such a long part of speech that was written so beautifully and so perfectly that I was like oh are we not in speech anymore and then I looked and I was like oh no we are it sounded like the narrator, but it was somebody speaking, reeling off these incredible arguments that obviously Tori has ruminated on for her entire life and has and has developed these. God, I'd love to go to dinner with her and just listen to her talk. A bit like Sean exactly. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. I think she's obviously incredibly intelligent and has spent a lot of time thinking about it. And and that would make sense that some of her characters are the same, but it just, it did depart a little bit from the authentic when it was obvious that all of them had spent a lot of time mm-hmm. cultivating these really intelligent, if sometimes one dimensional opinions on things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is it we're talking a little bit more about the plot? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, Reese wants this baby. Reese is the trans woman who wants the baby. And this opportunity presents itself that never, at the beginning, you're like, this is not going to happen, like this crazy situation. But then they all start to think that maybe it is a good idea. So, there's lots about what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a parent. I guess particularly a mother because Ames isn't comfortable about being a father because although they've detransitioned, the reason is really because it was way too hard to live as a trans woman. Mm -hmm. And obviously this narrative gets weaponized by exclusionary, trans-exclusionary people because they say, well, oh, look, they regret it and people detransition, which means that they're being forced into it in the first place. It's Uh actually- it's, It's a phase. Or it's a phase. And it's actually the opposite. It's like these people transition and then it's so painful and so, so difficult to live that they're just like, you know what? I'm just going to go back. So Ames has this internal struggle. Like, am I still a woman? Can I still be counted as a woman? I don't want to be a father, but I can't be a mother. Uh, and then there's the idea with Reese, who obviously who can't, ha- who can't carry a child. And Katrina says, well, I could be the ma- the mom and you could be the mommy Reese or something. And she's like, see, even then there's a qualifier. I'll never be mm-hmm. that mother. But yeah, Reese and Katrina start to have quite a nice relationship. And then there's some quite horrific scenes with Katrina where she, the one, where, the bit where she gets mortal at the oh my God. dinner. I've got full on anxiety about that. Yeah, that was toe curling, wasn't it? Yeah. She did have a, she did have a lot of scenes like that where everyone, I guess it, I mean, it's obvious, it's not obvious, it's, telling of some trans people's experience that the amount of exceptions that they must just make daily Mm. on these absolutely mortifying outbursts from cis people I mean and Katrina at one point they speak about Reese is talking about are we playing the oppression olympics because Katrina is half Asian yeah I think her mum I think her mum's Chinese her dad's Jewish her grandmother was a Chinese immigrant so she has a different lived experience to white America but she passes so, as white which is another passes, yeah interesting and, part of it but so but, yeah, but she's got this she does have this lived experience of being oppressed of being a minority like of sorts and yet she's still I don't know I guess it's that, that good old term disidentification do you remember that from uni? It's, I don't know if I do. Do you know Jose Esteban Munoz? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> um, where like she she seems to have a lot of op- 
opinions again on oppression faced by women of colour but can't really extend any of that empathy to the trans experience I, I don't know I don't know it was weird it was but the but still the other characters seemed to have a lot of a lot of sympathy for her they had a lot of time for her and her gaffes sure. yeah I think she improves doesn't she and she is admits a mistake yeah. maybe but yeah. yeah you're absolutely right that some pretty awful things that she does and says can I just quickly talk about Ames yeah I think Reese is definitely the main character and Tori Peters says that Reese is like this lovable but sometimes quite catty she says that she's like a fleabag-esque character see that um and she's definitely the main character and her and Katrina build this relationship with one another that is actually quite lovely in places but Ames's narrative is that is one of just constant utter devastating turmoil Mm mm-hmm but no one has the time of day for Ames. I, I just thought it was heartbreaking, the treatment of Ames. And because the, the narrative style was like, I, I've said it before, I quite enjoy this narrative style where we get a close third of every character so we can understand how most characters are feeling. So we understand how awful Ames feels 99% of the time. But she just didn't write it with any sympathy, it felt like. Mm-hmm. for for his character and I don't know if like the other characters did get a, a sort of a, almost like bashful or wry or apologetic narrative and they made mistakes but it was like you know we all make mistakes or his aims it was like no you fucked up your own life you fucked up everyone's life that you come into contact with and, and then when you read about what actually Ames has been through it's like well they've, they've not I well, I don't yeah, know. but I... what did you think about that character? Because I felt like it was just really unjust, all of it. Yeah, I think Ames was quite a pathetic character. I mean, in the actual meaning, not that pathetic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah, it was devastating because, as I said, Ames detransitioned because I, I, I'm struggling with pronouns. They do use he in. in... Uh-huh. Well, they, they, well, the trans women use she. Use she. And then the people that have no names after detransitioning use he but then mm-hmm. Ames is outed at one point and they use she again and uh, and they switch between his name when he was trans and then there's also use of his name or my name pre-transition yeah I think with Reese, Reese has absolutely no sympathy for Ames detransitioning and actually resents Ames quite a lot for doing that and judges judges them and at the beginning of the book we are under the impression that that is why Reese and Ames split. So we've got this idea that they were in this really loving relationship and they were made for each other. And then Ames detransitions and it ruins everything. I even feel like that's almost the words that Reese uses. But then uh-huh. classic unreliable narrator, we find out later something that happened. And I was like, how are Reese? You missed that bit out. But, but because the narration wasn't first person. Yeah. And I don't know, it felt as though Ames carries a lot of guilt around. Ames absorbs the guilt that for all of the pain that his transitioning and detransitioning has caused people. Yeah. Um, and so none of these facts of what actually happened in the relationship are ever told through that close narration of Ames. But then we eventually get it through kind of a bit more of an omniscient narrative. It tells both sides of the story a little bit. But still, it seems to fall on the side of Reese, and I was like, "But that's Reese's fuck up." 
<laughs> yeah. And how are we still being made to feel as though somehow this is Ames's fault and somehow Ames deserves to feel like shit about this? It felt as though the narrator was on Reese's side and Katrina's side because Katrina didn't like Ames either. Oh. Because Ames gets Katrina pregnant um, before disclosing the fact that he once lived as a trans woman. And thought he was sterile. And thought he was sterile. Um, so then Katrina hates Ames. All of Reese's mates hate Ames. Reese hates Ames. And Ames hates Ames. And then Rita hates Ames. And I was like, am I the only one that fucking loves Ames? I, I don't actually think he's done that much wrong. He's just had a really hard fucking life. Mm-hmm. I don't but know, I there... it, it really infuriated me, as you can maybe tell. Yeah, is there something to say about Ames living now as a cis man and passing as a cis man and mm-hmm. being able to, you know, move quite freely through life now and that Reese resents that because mm-hmm. Reese can't and Katrina maybe can't in some ways. Not that that's an excuse, but I feel like the, that resentment is there. And Ames is, just is almost just like, you know what? Fair enough. It Michael, is there, can you not I... watch the TV? He's just put the case, Kate Moss interview on. <laughs> no, thanks. We've got a TV in the bedroom. God's sake. One hour uh, a week, I do this. We're at work, Michael. Uh, <laughs> yes, I do think that the resentment perhaps is rightfully there, but there's no cause to try and understand it or forgive it there's there's no sort of whereas there is for every other yeah every other element and then there are some things that Reese describes about her friends that are pretty like abhorrent and she's like but you know that's just the way she is yeah Um, and I know that obviously living as um, a cis man and when you've been a trans woman and and how that must feel like an element there's like an element of betrayal there for you previous partner and then your current partner etc but it there are examples of them all doing of all acting in these dishonest ways with one another and everyone is so quick to forgive each other or at least try and understand uh, apart from Ames doesn't get a fucking lucky no one says to Ames why have you detransitioned yeah <laughs> no I, you want I to talk this through totally feel it do you think maybe one of my other favorite scenes and I think where where Ames was getting some good mm-hmm. empathy is the scene when I'm gonna say she at that point where she goes to the trans clothes shop. Yeah, I loved that scene. Me too. I loved that scene because there was that part just previous to it about the test um, that you can like take online that will tell you if you you know if, if you are actually a trans woman yeah or if you're just what was the phrase that they used just like a sadist uh, or a, like a sexual deviant or something and yeah, i'm guessing this is a real test it sounded yeah, like it was a real test Freaky. it was yeah some parts of the book were like because they used all of these separate references mm. and then i was like i don't know how much of it is i don't know you know what i mean which i don't yeah. mind at all but yeah aims like takes this test but it's just like but i know i'm just fetishizing <sighs> the experience of women and stuff like that like he just never gave himself a break I don't know I just felt so painfully sorry for him yeah which maybe I really don't need to waste my time feeling painfully sorry for cis men but that's but he's, but not. he's not. not and yeah that sex is another huge part of this book and this idea yeah, of hugely erotic but in erotic yeah. but also I don't think I got a stiffy once I think a lot of it was <laughs> not not nice it's like, and it's this yeah. idea of dis is it disassociation or dissociation, dissociation. where 
aims or, or you know men or trans women who have not transitioned maybe have sex with people so that they can imagine themselves in that position mm-hmm. and yeah there was some really fascinating stuff about sex in the book probably like too much to talk about here but definitely one of the main kind of themes running through it is yeah. like why do people have sex why do men have sex with trans women why do you know, whoever but some really interesting perspectives on that Mm-hmm. that again in the interview at the back of the book she was like I know people aren't going to like what I'm saying here that people are dissociating so that they can have sex with someone who they want to be that's kind yeah. of pathologizing trans people or it's it's uh yeah it's it's doesn't reflect well on trans people I mean mm-hmm. I, I disagree I think that the way that was described particularly in Ames's case and Reese, to be fair was really sympathetic I could understand yeah. exactly what was going even though I don't have personal experience of it I got it what they were saying yeah. mm-hmm. and I didn't you know it didn't make me want to demonize them but yeah interesting reading yeah I think uh, I really enjoyed reading it I th- completely agree about these sections that broke up the plot um because they just seemed a little bit like shoehorned or something yeah, and a bit f- like factual and just it's like well you wouldn't know that off the top yeah. of your head without googling and it. And static. It was, mm-hmm. they, it was they like were the really static. Paused. Yeah, and the people. This paused. moment happened. Yeah, and then yeah. the plot continued from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and and it and that did frustrate me because the plot is juicy. Like that's such oh. a, a, such a good premise for a book, um, and I think it was yeah a bit like a bit like wasted. That other plot was rushed in the moments that we did get it because. Mm-hmm these moments were just too long I also I definitely understood each character and what they like I saw Reese as the fleabag type of character and Ames as this well as much as I think um well I've said it so many times about not letting the authors I don't know not giving the author an opinion but as much as I think Tori Peters wanted Ames to not be sympathetic and Katrina just being a bit of a lovable idiot but also a powerhouse when she needed to be. Mm. Um, I got that, but I also felt as though they were too similar because they each had these almost like soliloquies, right? Um, and and some there was like quite a lot of inconsistencies with them as well. Which yeah, I thought I thought there were some inconsistencies, especially with Reese's character. That like the setup of it was brilliant I was like I know who this is straight away she's like an arena from boy parts she's like a flea bag or she's like one of these messy women but is still somehow in control and is witty and quick and intelligent and like powerful really yeah um and that remained but then I think what began to overwhelm it was the idea that she was and maybe that just came that is like a natural development as we understand more how much she's desperate to be a mother but she became much more fragile and much more of like a bit of a a a tragic character not in like a she's tragic but as in like her life is destined for tragedy which I guess is the underpin like that's the thing that underpins all of these characters that I've just explained is there is like an aura of sadness about them but it overwhelmed racism that she began to like it felt to me as though like every decision that she made was second third fourth fifth guess nothing was like impulsive and erratic and and then, like I say I mean it doesn't 
mean that because I recognize some of her character tropes elsewhere that she has to fit into that perfect like mold of that exact character but like it just seemed inconsistent not deliberate like the setup of a character was this one thing but then the more we got to know her she seemed to sort of bleed out into a different character although she pulled it back completely I think in that in the beach scene (laughs) that was the only scene that really made me piss myself yeah I was proud of pissing myself at that as well I really was read that today (laughs) um speaking of pissing yourself did you have any quotes I mean they don't need to be funny there's one that I thought was just it was like a stand-up comedy line many people think a trans woman's deepest desire is to live in her true gender but actually it's to always stand in good lighting yeah that yeah that was a really good one (laughs) yeah Um, there were loads like that I didn't highlight any Mm. um very funny very sharp yeah it was and I do think that the the writing was absolutely spectacular spectacular yeah just so many the way that it like I don't know the sentences could sometimes feel as though they were like almost slipping out of your control a little bit do you know what I mean mm-hmm. like reading them felt like you were falling down a hill a little bit yeah Does I did actually sense? have to read a good few sentences multiple times to understand if there was like a missing comma or something there was a lot of adverbs which can yeah. be used confusingly because it you think it's going to be it was like an adverb to an adverb to an yeah. adjective so then you'd like the tone that you'd use would lilt in a certain way and then yeah like, Wait, I, don't I don't understand and then I'd read it again and be like that's a that's a typo and then I'd read it a third yeah. time and be oh okay I get it now yeah exactly <laughs> me too I kept thinking there's so many typos but then I was like no 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 yeah and I, it goes back to the dialogue none of them interact in a way that I understand <laughs> at all and like even there they but they understand each other mm-hmm. so one of them it'll be like oh I don't know one of them will just look at one in a certain way and then they'll realize suddenly that they're in an argument or I don't know I was like well that's not how it would work no. or one person would ask them a question like oh how's the weather where you are and the other one would go I like it when you use too much fabric softener um, and your towels come out really soft with the washing machine. The other one would go, yeah, no, me too. Um, the sun has been scorching here today as well. And it's like, well, what fuck it? Who, <laughs> what are we on about here? <laughs> um, but then I quite like it when books make me feel sick because it just, it's like I'm trying to read to be smart. Do you know what Retention, I mean? Attention, yeah. There we go. My favourite quote I haven't bloody taken a picture of it because I didn't have my phone on us mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm just gonna have to paraphrase it or just explain it but it was when I can't even remember which character I think maybe Ames was mm-hmm. saying that divorced women that divorced women have a lot in common with trans people and that most of the people that they've looked to for maternal support have been divorced women because they too find themselves in a life that they never expected that has yes. no rule book. They're completely lost. Societal expectations go out the fucking window. Yeah. And they just have to muddle through. So, and I loved that. And just, that feels like such a kinship with divorced women, cis, divorced cis women specifically. This yeah. Time. She, uh, so I was listening to Tori Peters in a podcast called, would you believe it? Call your girlfriend. And their opening <gasps> jingle is the first like verse of call your girlfriend. I was like, sorry, copyright me yeah and actually and I was thinking why can't we interview people do you think if we emailed Tori Peters like, hi I want to chat to you about your book um maybe because actually the dedication is 
let me find it, to divorced cis women who, like me, had to face starting their life over without either reinvesting in the illusions from the past or growing bitter about the future. Oh, so, goose pimp, please. Huh? Got goose pimp, please. All oh, right, I thought you went goose pimp, please. Like, <laughs> Can I have a goose pimp, that? please? <laughs> um, and she and she asks uh, the podcast host asks Toy Peters about that quote, and she just says exactly what you said. She's like, yeah, and she's like, and this is sort of my almost like response to because she's because there isn't any real guidance from older trans women, as in not trans women who are elderly but mm-hmm. trans women who have been trans women for longer yeah um because everything is so rapidly shifting and the and laws are changing and and things are progressing and then mm-hmm. regressing and all this kind of stuff and so, so many of them are dead to put it really so bluntly. Many, yeah exactly and there isn't there just isn't really a trans history and there isn't oh. um trans like icons in the sense of like this is how you can live and it's certainly there certainly aren't enough to create a sort of structure to aspire towards so yeah yeah, like you said some of the answers of how to live a life after a big transition Mm -hmm. that um, was it divorce being a huge transition as well yeah in books written by women who had got divorced and then had yeah like you said found themselves at this point in their lives where they're like well what the fuck society now just abandons me I'm yeah just what this. do I do yeah and oh so now I'm just used goods um mm-hmm. and now oh, she says I that this that. is her like her sort of response to that mm-hmm. almost yeah and I mean this is a line that I say quite often and I know that in probably 10 years time I won't be able to say it anymore. And I think Gen Z listeners will think that I'm not being woke. But my biggest regret in life is that I will never be a middle-aged woman. I know, you do. You've said that to me multiple times. I just have such an affinity with them. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. I just love middle-aged women. If I get to middle age, what do you think is going to happen to our relationship? Do you think it's going to shift and you're going to treat me with a godlike reverence? I think it's going to turn physical. Are you joking? Oh my God, it's <laughs> Can you like imagine? All, all Christmases and birthdays come at once. <sighs> imagine if we got into our 50s and we're just like, you know what? Let's start you. shagging. Yeah. <laughs> got that to look forward to. Right, Tori, congratulations on your fabulous nav. We loved yeah. it. It this- was, it was, it was brilliant, really. Like a really brilliant feat of work. Can't wait for our next one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And if anyone can email readingfretension at gmail.com to explain what that third joke thing is, then I'd really mm-hmm. appreciate that because mm-hmm. it, that made me feel extra thick. <laughs> extra thick. <laughs> well, Sarah. Yes, Paul. T minus 24 hours until <gasps> you are with God, yeah. me. I'll actually hopefully be there this time tomorrow, yeah. providing that my Lumo train doesn't mysteriously disappear. What's the Lumo again? It's the train line that was set up in competition, not with other train lines, but with air travel. So that you know how it's dead cheap to fly from, it's cheaper to fly from Edinburgh to London than it is to train. train yeah. So they they run a service once a month that is mega mega cheap. Once a month, to, mm, because it's obviously not 
economically viable. I think the people that have like let them do it, because you know how all the train lines are private, the people that have let them do it are like, no, we still need to have a monopoly on the train line, on the tracks. Like I'm thinking LNER and mm. Avanti and all that kind of bollocks. Um, so they're like, you can get one train a month. But obviously getting tickets is like harder than getting tickets for fucking Glastonbury. I was going to say, bloody hell. You have to wait up at six in the morning. And... <laughs> yeah, set loads of alarms. Yeah. Elbow my way to the front of an online queue. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but then apparently, well, I was speaking to someone who got the one last month and it was cancelled and he was like, all right. But then, they, but then LNER were just like, yeah, you can get on our train, babes. So it's like Lumo <sighs> or that irresponsible teenager that they just sometimes let have a go. And then oh, they Lumo. have to, well, you like Lumo. Oh. It's quite so, a cool yay. name, actually. Lumo. Lumo. So, yeah, I'm going to be in London. We made a little bit of a faux pas with our um, <laughs> organisation. Yeah, so it's Michael's birthday on Monday and we're going for a birthday luncheon. With that age. Is it lunch? It's like 2.30, yeah. At this beautiful place called The Summer House in Little Venice. And... Sarah made all the plans to come quite a long time ago. Yeah, well, I had to get up and get these Lumo train tickets. Yeah, and then just forgot to tell us. <laughs> no, Paul, you're a liar. I told you. When did you tell me? It was pre-podcast because I said, so are you all right for me to come and stay Thursday night, work from home on Friday, Saturday night? And you were like, that's fine. You said you said I don't have anything in on that Friday, so be like I'll be able to work from home as well. See, I had it in my head that you said, "Can I stay Thursday because I'm flying to Lisbon on Friday?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." So when are you going to Lisbon? Tuesday. Right. So I'm gonna stay at yours if I'm allowed. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely fine. Laura, oh as Laura Blakey would say, "It's no skin off my fanny." Oh, Holly Smart says it's no skin off my minge. <laughs> Love the word minge. <laughs> yeah, no, it'd be great. We've got to be careful though. So no, I know, I know night, what's gonna happen tomorrow night. But also tomorrow night's fine because we've got Friday to recover. But if Friday we can't we can't go mental on Friday. But your mental it's no. Uh, the last time I came to stay down on a school night, you had gone out for dinner. Do you remember you'd gone out for dinner? Michael had a migraine, so I was just watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'd said explicitly we're not we're not drinking and I was like no I know because we had well we had something big coming up was it new year yeah something like that anyway it was something but yeah it was new year it was and Paul came back from dinner and he just walked into the living room and you didn't you, you stood in that way that you stand in the living room doorway and you went like I've got mom. wine <laughs> <laughs> oh. I've got wine and that was it the fate the fateful three words that unleashes mm. all hell. So we can do that tomorrow night, but and then work from home on Friday. Oh, that'll be cute. You'll be able to see me. Oh, I'll be like when we work together. Yeah, I want. I keep thinking. Oh, I want to book in some meetings where it sounds like I'm really important to impress. I've been thinking that. <laughs> Shit, my, my calendar's empty. I know mine is. Like, I've been a, a few important phone calls off. People email me today, like, can I give you a call? And I'm just like, just Friday. You won't. Yeah. <laughs> Friday, please. Yeah. Friday, yeah. but at like 12.50, so at one when I'm bored and the attention's dried up, I can go, right, lunch. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, it'll be fab. So we're doing that summer house. And then I'm going for dinner with Michael on Sunday. Yay. And then it's uh, actual does, birthday on Monday. Does he know that you're taking him for dinner on Sunday? Yeah, he doesn't know where. But ah, does he yeah. listen to the podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my friends will message me out of the blue just a quote from the podcast and be like ha 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 and it all have been from three months ago oh yeah. that's uh-huh. rude I know you know what be punctual or don't be at all we are getting reasonable amounts of listeners now young mungo was a hit use so where's me fucking emails email us reading for attention at gmail.com for the love of God, email Paul. He's gagging for I it. I want an email. I know. They are nice when they arrive. Do you know what I think it is? I think this sort of um, plea, what's it called when, you know, you do like, um, when you like advertise for causes on TV and stuff? A call to action? <laughs> yeah, all right, I'll go with that. It's not what I was thinking, but a call to action. I think your call to action for emails only started probably about a month ago. So right. soon enough, the listeners will catch up and we'll be flooded. We'll be absolutely flooded like a basement. and <laughs> Like Colleen Rooney's alleged basement. Ooh, I haven't been following. Well, it just it's just turned out that, as we all know... It was a PR. That liar, yeah. Obviously. Um, such a snake, but anyway. Do you think maybe my pleas are too desperate? Shall I try and do a really... <gasps> Yeah, so we've got an email address reading for attention at gmail.com, I think. Mm -hmm. And you can not even ask if you email or not, to be honest. But please do. Should I I do the double bluff? Okay. Don't email us. I don't want you fucking emails. I'm sick to death of hearing from you. Don't Uh, care about your life. Uh, I just delete them. Yeah, I've just go straight into the deleted box. Yeah, the rule is set straight to delete. Have you got any goss, drama, attention-seeking behaviours? Oh, yous. Remember the pretzel story? (laughs) Yes. So avid listeners will remember that I signed up to a research study where I had to eat pretzels every single day for eight weeks. You gave up on day three? No, I did end up eating them. And it's come to the end of the eight weeks have your poos been pretzel shaped oh wouldn't that be fun <laughs> no they haven't they came out in a straight line but then as they landed in the toilet curled curled around <laughs> so did that so i'm halfway through now the next stage is almonds i've got a week and a half off before i start <laughs> fucking almond almond getting right and <laughs> but what i didn't realize was that at the end of the eight weeks, I had to go in oh. on a Friday to do a 30-minute downhill run, right? On the downhill. Treadmill. <laughs> the treadmill. Everyone said that when I've said it. Like, where's the hill? <laughs> <laughs> that is the best mental image. <laughs> I'm picturing like Forrest Gump. <laughs> Just like with your arms. <laughs> Running like um Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> yeah. Right, no, it was on a treadmill. And it was so weird because I've never run downhill on a treadmill before. It's so easy, right? As in, you barely get out of breath. I was talking to her about gymnastics for half an hour. Absolutely Classic. fine. And then she was like, 
yeah, it's a bit of a strange one though, because you're, you're basically going to be in agony tomorrow. And I was like, what do you mean? It's like, yeah, because you're running downhill, so you're using all of these different muscles and bones or whatever. Sure enough, I couldn't fucking walk the next day and I'm still not recovered. And it's now Wednesday. Um, but more than that, so I had to do that on the Friday, get my blood taken. Four vials of blood, might I add. Ugh, gross. And then I had to go back. Saturday morning, more blood. Sunday morning, more blood. Monday Bleeding morning, more blood. I know. And Sarah Heinsohn and Carl were down because Sunderland got to through <laughs> to some sort of match and won it. I don't know. It was at Wembley. And so went out on Friday, had a fucking trips an hour away to get all my blood sucked on Saturday. And then went on a day session Saturday, had to go back on Sunday morning to get my blood sucked. And then I had to go in at half eight on Monday for more. And that's- Are you allowed to get your blood sucked if the blood, if the alcohol levels are higher than the blood cell count i didn't ask the specific question but they didn't tell me i couldn't when she when she pulled it out your arm did it come out the color of pinot grigio yeah she was like what's going on here i was like oh it's always like that (laughs) so that's halfway through so now i've got a week and a half off then i have Uh to go and do the two hour full-on physical where i had to run not downhill I think it's actually uphill for ages with a huge, big mask on my face. What? Last time I had to stop because I needed a poo, but I just told her it's because I was too tired. Do uh, you poo beforehand? Babe, it doesn't, it doesn't help. Matter. I need another one straight after. So I've got to do all that. Then eat eight weeks of almonds. And then at the end of that eight weeks, go and get all my blood sucked again for four days. 225 <sighs> quid. Not worth it. I know. Well, I worked out your hourly rate. No. Do you remember? I don't know. A penny. It was, it was literally, I think it was about 2.1 pence. Honestly, when everyone at work just thinks it's hilarious, like, I'll be sitting at the desk with a massive bag of pretzels. They're just, they're just I'll just do anything for a book. That's my problem. <laughs> for a book. Um, I started doing this thing at work where when I'm waiting for the kettle to boil, when I'm in the office or I'm just in the kitchen wasting time, I'll do as many squats as I can handle. Really? Yeah. Because there's no one else hanging about in the kitchen. I just think, you know, if there's time to stand I'm and impressed. watch cowboy, there's time to squat. And I did it for two days. And then by the third day, I couldn't walk. Ooh, it's bad, isn't it? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. A couple, handful of squats and I'm knocked, I'm knocked for six. That's not, yeah. right. that wouldn't be the right phrase for that, but I will. Um, what have I done that's attention seeking? Not that you asked. What was that thing that you sent us voice notes? Oh God, tell tell them about hanging out the window. Oh my God. Yeah, that is mortifying. <laughs> so I'd gone on my staff Christmas party on Wednesday. In um, May. Last week in May. It, I mean, fabulous for me because I didn't even work there when it was Christmas. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I'm not going to drink because I have one drink and I start, I just start lying um and telling people things to try and make me seem more interesting attention seeking we know the drill pathological yeah and i got to the restaurant and my I sat barely had my ass cheeks touched the seat then my manager went wine and me and my manager two peas in a pod so she was like wine 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 and i was like yeah yeah you know what yeah i can handle a glass of wine come on um and then she said well what are you drinking do you want white or red but it was a sunny day and i'm a basic bitch and i was like well i want fucking rosé and she said oh no one else is drinking rosé and i was like well i want rosé and the the girl next to me was like oh yeah okay i can do that 
I can need some rosé. So me and her shared a bottle of rosé and everyone else had a glass of wine. So I was, I was already um, fucked. I was fucked. <laughs> and then pudding men- course came about and they're going around the table saying, what would you like? People are going, creme brulee, this thing, that thing, this thing, that thing. And I said, espresso martini. And my manager went, oh, I want to cancel my brownie. I'm having an espresso martini as well. And then I had the espresso mans. And then we went to another pub and everyone was like, I think I'm just going to head home. And I was like, well, I've actually just bought a bottle of Prosecco. So it'd be really rude if you didn't, uh, if you did. And then a couple of bottles of Prosecco down, decided to come home because someone essentially told me to that I work with. Um, <laughs> we yeah, well on that um, yeah. and then I got home and we all know the absolute ant pandemic that I've been facing in this flat epidemic because it's whatever well I opened my coffee cupboard and about 20 of them just went scurrying to the crevices and I was like no fuck my life and I just reached boiling point Paul I just absolutely saw red and I have two kettles don't know why and I put them both onto boil and I have a huge, huge, like industrial sized saucepan. And I put in a, an entire bottle of vinegar because apparently they hate that. And filled how many room. squats did you do at the time? Just millions because I was getting preparing for war. <laughs> um, and I spent, and this isn't an exaggeration, an hour, could have been an hour and a half, marching in and out of my house carrying. <laughs> kettles and pots like an ant (laughs) kettles and um big huge pots of vinegary water outside and just pouring them everywhere i'm picturing you in a pilgrim outfit well do you know what i was wearing i was wearing a pilgrim-esque dress oh yeah yeah um and the reason i haven't done it before is because i'm too conscious of what the people in the flats opposite will think of me but after my liquid lunch I did not give a fuck and it was me versus ants me versus the state of ants and I was gonna fucking win so I'd located the nests and I just went to absolute town and then my upstairs neighbor who's also called Sarah at one point poked her head out the window and went are you all right Sarah and I was like no no I'm not fucking all right and then she went is it the ants and I was like well clearly it's a problem if you're getting them on the first floor this is a problem and I'm addressing it and then we had a chat outside of the window of which I can't really remember but I voice noted Paul afterwards and listened to that and then we'd slagged off our other neighbor (laughs) hanging out the window yep oh bugger hell Yep, we'd slagged off our other neighbour because he likes to play really, really, really loud music. And the more we ask him to turn it down, the more he turns it up. I say we as though I have ever in my life intervened. In fact, the (laughs) one time when he said, is my music a bit too loud for you? I went, no, no, not at all. (laughs) It genuinely keeps me up at night. That's Um, amazing. And now I've been in my flat ever since because I I don't dare step foot outside because I'm just mortified of my neighbours having watched me marching in and out of the flat for an hour pouring boiling water everywhere and also I couldn't quite understand that if you pour every single time I did it if you pour boiling water from a height onto concrete there's obviously splashback and it hits your bare legs because you're wearing a pilgrim dress so I kept burning myself and being like "Ah!" and then just doing it with more tenacity yeah (laughs) every single time I forgot that that was a thing well the question is did it solve the problem I've not seen a fucker since. I've not seen well, there you since. go. It's all worth it. It was Armageddon. 
I tell you what I I watched today. Uh Speaking of ants, I don't know why this was on my recommended videos. Ants? Did you watch Ants? No, but I do love Ants. It's a great film, better than Bug's Life, in my opinion. Which is the one where at the end they have the fake bloopers, as in they've obviously made bloopers right. Well, they all do that, don't they? But I went, I'd never seen that before, and I went into pictures with my man, and the bloopers were at the end. And I was so confused because I was like, eh? Are these real bloopers to my mom? She's like, no. She's like, well, oh, shit. Why? I've got an idiot for a son. <laughs> what? What? Why have they done this? Like, how, how has this happened? And I just couldn't get it around my head that they'd made them for the purposes of being funny. To continue the magic, Paul. Yeah. I think well, it was Toy it. Story that did it first. Uh, yeah, anyway, watch, it wasn't ants. I watched a video on YouTube of <laughs> this is a real species of ant. Let us just get species. Let us get it right. Are you going to tell me about the zombie ant? Because I've been telling people about this for years. No, I'm not. But you can tell oh. me about that after. It's called oh, okay. a yellow crazy ant. Oh, they sound cute. <laughs> well, they're not. So oh. they're called crazy ants because they move in a really erratic and terrifying way. And they've got the <laughs> longest legs of any ants in the whole world. So they look a bit mm-hmm. like giant spidery leg ant <laughs> things. And they've accidentally been taken to different environments that they they wouldn't have ordinarily been like through I don't know planes and shit and I watched a colony of yellow crazy ants kill a crab and then go inside its shell first they blind it by pissing venom in its eyes and then they go inside the shell like through the eyes just somehow chop up like the meat it looks like a crab stick and then they, they leave the crab shell holding its meat. It is one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. Ants are fucking psycho. Horrible. That is so funny though because it's essentially a seafood tower. Well, yeah, I know, and it looked like, it, it looked quite delicious. The meat that they pulled, <laughs> it was. I was impressed, but I just felt a bit sorry for this poor crabby. It's like, oh, for yeah. God's sake, I'm just minding me your business. Oh, great, now I'm blind. All oh, right, now I'm being eaten from the inside. Um, inside out yeah what's the zombie ant have you ever read the girl with all the gifts yeah that's one of the books i borrowed from you and lost yeah so i did read it before i lost it you didn't lose it babe because i've got it on my bookshelf oh great um so the zombie apocalypse the zombie outbreak that happens is that in that oh wow is based on this phenomenon that happens to these ants right so it's a tropical disease that it's like um comes from fungi yeah so it comes from plants like a fungus and it sticks to the bottom of ants and then it worms its way into them and it uses their body as a host because it obviously understands that they live in colonies but the thing is when the host takes over the ant obviously it doesn't quite know how ants behave it has to try and learn how ants behave but other ants have wised up to it so they can be like he's got the fucking virus ah. so then what they do is they carry the ant above their heads the loads of them pick it up and they carry it as far away from the colony as they can while it's still being used by the host and then they chuck it as far away as they can and scuttle back to the colony but because what happens is the host eventually takes over the ant's body controls it makes it walk up little plants nearby the colony where then the fungus can grow and then when more of the seeds of the fungus drop down it drops straight into the colony that is horrible isn't that just 
and when you see the fungus growing out of these ants, hey, no, 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 oh no, I'm getting itchy. Sprout from the head. Don't. I feel. Look, look at me. <laughs> you need to watch the video on YouTube, please. No, thank you. That reminds us of. That makes sense with the girls. The girl with all the gifts. I get it. I get it now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, on that beautiful note, <laughs> we've come to the end of Poddy Waddy Woo Wah. Thank oh. you. Oh, no, I haven't, because I need to tell you the next book and drink. Oh, yeah. Right. So apologies. This is one that you recommended, but you're going to be excited about it. But I'm just going to steal it as my recommendation because it is okay. out. I think it's actually been out a while. We're going to be reading The Candy House by Jennifer <gasps> Egan. Yes! <laughs> I haven't read the one that, what's the one that you like? A Visit from the Goon Squad. I might try and read that as well while you're in Lisbon. Oh, my God, Paul, you must. Do you want me to bring... I don't know if I want to bring my copy down tomorrow. Don't, I'll lose it. No, but actually, you've just reminded us, dear listeners. You know what I've realised when you listen to podcasts, the talk of the listeners directly. Maybe yeah. we should start doing that more. And so, referring to each other is like Paul and Sarah. Hello, you. Uh, <laughs> no, that was you creepy. Sound like Joe from Katie Price. No, not Katie Price. Harvey oh. Price. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh bloody hell! So we're actually Jennifer Regan's Candy House is come into your ears in two weeks time because use it's fucking caught up with her we can't read any more books because sarah's going to lisbon she's not gonna be back in time to do another episode or read a book so we're gonna have a bonus episode for you next week yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm not even gonna spoil i'm just gonna it's just gonna arrive and you'll be like wow and then the week after that we're gonna have candy house by jennifer egan and maybe in those two weeks i'll be able to read the other one as well but let's face it maybe not Wait, what's the other one? As in, the oh, Cat- oh, right, squad. yeah, yeah, yeah. So squad. I'm really, really, really excited about the drink. What's the drink? Well, Candy House. I thought candy, and then I just had this <laughs> wonderful memory of there's this bar in I don't know if it's still there. I think it is in Newcastle or like Sandyford called Mister Lynch's, and Ooh. you know those bars where when you're 30 you probably think God it's a bit of a dive, but when you're 18 it is the single coolest place you've ever been in the world mm-hmm. it is it was just so cool student bar mm-hmm. and one of the reasons it was so cool is because they served a drink called the dip dab teeny <gasps> and it was this sweet sweet pinky red nectar into which they would pour the sherbet and then mm-hmm. stick the dip the lolly in it right now it gets better i'm sold gets better so i thought Right, what could we do? We'll probably just do a vodka cranberry with a dip dab, right? So I just Googles dip dab teeny. Yeah. And what do I find? Oh my God. Someone in lockdown who works at that bar <laughs> making the dip dab teeny. Thank so what... God for COVID because that never <laughs> would have happened. Um, what is it? That's a good question. I'm just getting the book. The... Oh, that's, I thought you were going to say it's an apple teeny with dip dab in it. No, right. No, I need to f- oh, God, I need to find it. You know what? I, oh, yeah, I found it. Oh, but it's a video. It's six minutes long. Oh, use. I'll post the ingredients on Instagram. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah, dip dab teeny. Buzzing, buzzing, buzzing for that. Oh, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Oh, my teeth are hurting thinking about it. I know. I hope all of mine fall out. I bring it on i keep ignoring my dental email no my dental text i get a dental text every six months are you joking i can't remember the last time i my teeth checked but i do remember the last time 
I was there saying they said when was the last time you came and I said mm, probably and then I said the year and he went that was five years ago like, so oh, I no. get my teeth checked <laughs> once every five years <laughs> oh well I feel better then oh, well. um I'm really excited for this book pool because it is a sequel or maybe a prequel to A Visit from the Goon Squad which oh, is what the hell am I supposed to have read that well I don't know I don't think you have to because you you'll see if you you'll I'll explain it next <laughs> okay Zara um, all right then use remember the email no bother but what's it reading yeah. for attention at gmail.com just nice emails for me that'd be lovely yeah we will see you next week for a very special episode gonna call it a bonus episode even though it's just an, the next week it's not an extra one but I just want to call it a bonus episode so I'm gonna because it's my life it's my podcast shared with Sarah Hopkins <laughs> how much is saying shared with Sarah Payne yeah kind of liked it because I was thinking about when we get sexual when we're older yes get sexual bye 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 Sarah bye 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 bye